0: This episode of the podcast would not be possible without the support of our fantastic sponsor Everyday Lions. Anyone in the Devonport area may be able to identify a tall, skinny, passionate bloke who you see running and riding absolutely everywhere. For those who don't know, that's champion runner and great bloke Brian Lyons. Brian's also a running coach and mentor and his Everyday Lions running coaching programs are inclusive and cater for all age groups from kids right up to retirees. Training sessions are held in different locations from the Devonport area to Burnie and you can choose from group training, 8, 12, 16 week or yearly programs whatever your goal is Brian will help you smash it as many have with his proven coaching techniques. You can find Brian at Everyday Lions on Facebook, Instagram or at his website www.everydaylions.org and while you're at it look out for some of the fantastic events organised by Everyday Lions events including Run Devonport, The Great Train Race The Light Night Glow Run and the Devonport Christmas Fun Run, just to name a few. We'll see you at the starting line. On this week's pod, former Australian Army soldier turned Australian representative athlete and motivator, Jared Kent. Jared joins the pod to speak about his journey, including his early life and early years, which he describes as very tough and led to many risk-taking behaviours. We speak about enlisting in the Australian Army and the lessons he learned from this. He speaks about turning points in his life and how an unfortunate training injury led him to one of a couple of very dark times. Jared gives an honest view of these times, what he was going through, and more importantly, how he came out of it, and how his broken, never-beaten mantra and determination to remain positive, fit and healthy led him to representing his country in the Invictus Games. There's so many positive messages and learnings to take from this chat, and I know that everyone that listens is going to take plenty out of it. Just a heads up, this chat speaks about many tough issues, including violence, mental health, suicide and drug and alcohol abuse, so please be mindful of these triggers before deciding if, when and where to listen. (music)
1: Welcome back to the Talk Hard Podcast, I'm Jake, I'm Briley, I'm Sonny, we hope you enjoy today's episode.
0: I've got half an opportunity here. I'm going to take it this time, <laughs> <laughs> He sat there for two songs and he goes, he likes to shit up, and then he left.
1: When I die,
0: I want everyone <laughs> to have shots and I want you to use my coffin as the bar. But I collapsed and, and they couldn't find a heartbeat for a couple of minutes. I would give everything, anything that I've got right now to hear my mum sing again could just go into the house and do it and no one would care, but people do care. He said, thank you for saving your life. The Talk Hard podcast
1: with Brendan Hinkson.
0: Oh mate, it doesn't uh, get much bigger than this. <laughs> <laughs> Jared Kent, welcome to the Talk Hard podcast mate.
1: Excellent, great to be here Brendan, great to be here in the, uh, the moment with you and Ready to talk art or go home, eh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mate, yeah, obviously very, very pumped to have you on. Um, you know, I follow a lot of your stuff on um, on social media, where a lot of people would too. And I, I just love the... Um the positivity and and the um, you know the messages that you get out there and it's obviously all to try and help and inspire other people. So a lot of people will know you know where you're at now, um, but a lot of people won't know your story and what led to you know your mindset that you have now and the way that you want to live your life. And the the, the good thing about you too is you're not only wanting to. To live your best life you're also wanting to help other people live their best life as well so Mm -hmm. um, it's a fascinating story you're good enough to um lend me um a book which um does detail a little bit about your story which is um unconquered um our wounded warriors Um, which is a fantastic book, and it it focuses specifically on the Invictus Games, which you also competed in. So Mm -hmm. that's going to be another um, key part of of what we talk about in this chat as well. But anyone um, who listens to the podcast, obviously we we love getting right deep into people's stories as well, and we'll go right back to the start with you. So tell us about your childhood, mate. Whereabouts did you grow up?
1: Uh, I grew up on a dairy farm uh, at the Nook, uh, just out of Sheffield. Yep. And... um, it was a very tough upbringing, hard. Um, if we were to, say, for example, get into trouble, we were, we were disciplined in a, um, a very tough manner. Yep. Um, and that sort of started the process at a young age of um, the disconnection to my true self. Right. As yep. a child, um, and what I mean by that is the authenticity um, and attachment needed when we are a, a child, for example. Yep. Uh, it's 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 so important to have that um, attachment need to your parents, to be loved in the right way, um, and to be to be nurtured and and held basically from yep. the start. Yep. And so, uh, yeah. My childhood was uh, pretty tough, but in saying that, we, you know, there was some some good times and had some fantastic experiences on the farm.
0: Tell uh, us about some of your experiences growing up on the farm, because a lot of I know myself, like I, I grew up in town, but I think you know, with my kids, I'd I'd love to be able to have grown up on a farm and you know had that space to run around and stuff. What was it like growing up on the farm?
1: It was fantastic. Yep, uh, I found myself in. Um, to mischief quite, quite a lot. There was a, a story that mum and pop just shared recently and it was, um, I must have been two or three and mum had come outside to see where I was and I was walking around uh, the, the backyard with two sticks of jelly night.
0: Wow. So, uh, you know, saying that was Pretty wasn't, extreme.
1: <laughs> it wasn't clearly, you know, my... Toy of choice, but yeah. yep. <laughs> the one of the I think sheds around one of the areas. Um, Pop used to keep jelly night there because they used to blow stumps yep uh, out of the ground on the farms etc. Yep. It's easier than trying um, to dig
0: them out. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I
1: must have uh, found found where the stash was. and, yeah. and thought, well, well, bang sticks right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Lucky he didn't have any ignition source there. No, no, jeez, that wouldn't have been too good, would it? <laughs> would have made a hell of a mess, I reckon. I reckon. Yeah. What yeah. else
1: did you get up to, mate? Um, <clears throat> there's another story that Pop shared. Um, uh, myself, I was five, and Damien, my younger brother, he would have been four. And we used to go in the ute with Pop uh, and go around the paddocks, and he used to um, you know, pull up and pull... Weeds, ragwort, um, turnips, random turnips used to grow um, in the paddocks, etc. And one day, Pop pulled up and jumped out of the ute. And so, I guess myself and and Damien thought, well, "We've been watching Pop drive this ute. I'm pretty sure we know how to do that." Yeah,
0: cool. let's have <laughs> so a crack.
1: It was it was on a, it was he parked it on a bit of a hill and he turned around and the ute was no longer there yeah wow yeah right uh, but then shares that he for somehow um, I was steering and my brother was passenger and we had gone down the hill we made it through a gateway uh, or two gateways I think it was and there was two stumps and we actually made it through uh, in between the two stumps down over the hill uh, continuing on and into the blackberries, and then into the creek. So <laughs> Pop, Pop said that he came up over the hill, looked over, and could see us uh, standing up, looking out the back window. And his, his words, uh, I didn't know whether to kill him or kiss him. So, uh, that was an exciting one. Luckily, um, he
0: kissed you. He obviously didn't kill you because yeah, you had bigger fish to fry in well, life. <laughs> that's exactly right.
1: <laughs> and um, I used to love finishing school and getting home. Uh, running into the shed quickly if there was no one around or quickly get the four-wheeler and fly out the driveway do some donuts at the end and come back and put the four-wheeler in the shed like I hadn't been touched but yeah clearly there was donut marks at the end of the <laughs> driveway right <laughs> <laughs> they are on to you. oh yeah so we did we had some had some really good times and it was you know exciting and um you know driving tractors and um, machinery, steering machinery around it, just at such a young age, it was yep. it was a good, good learning environment um, to learn skills and techniques. If yep. that makes sense. Um, in saying that, again, if we was to you know get into mischief like we all, we did a lot, um, you know the punishment was pretty uh, full on. Yeah, um, but. So I guess that's what started a bit of a tough process for me um, and sort of shutting down and withdrawing and um, sort of rebelling I guess
0: uh, from a young age. It's interesting that you say that though because I remember the the first time that I I came across you I know that we went to school together but the first time that I really had anything you know major to do with you is when we played footy together out at Wesley Vale and I remember then you were very quiet, like very different to how you are now. Yeah. Um, you know, you were very quiet, probably not overly confident in speaking, but you were confident in your own abilities and your body and things like that. Because you would have, if I was coaching a footy team, you were the sort of player that I wanted. Because yep. I remember, you know, you'd throw yourself in harm's way. You know, you'd you'd pop shoulders, you'd break your nose, and just get taper up and out. I go again. Um, you know, you were just you were just a, a really tough honest footballer. But um, the thing that I was only thinking about you there the other day was that, yeah, you were very quiet, very shy. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a persona. That was um, a mask, if you will. Yep. Uh, so being quiet was how I learnt to cope as a child. Yep, Because you've done something wrong or you've chucked a tantrum or you, you're, you're upset you're only doing what you know or think is right as that child. Yep. You sort of don't at that age or young, young age, you don't know any different or what's nearly what's right from wrong yep. then. So um, if your parent then is to discipline you, um, then will you get a message that little kids don't get loved. When they're being authentic, when they're um, being their authentic self, yep, or just expressing their emotions, yep. Um, so that's the message you get as a little child: is that you don't get loved for being honest. You don't get loved for expressing your feelings in that moment. Being you, is that, if that makes sense? Yes. Yep. So, but in saying that, you know, my my parents and um, grandparents were only doing the best that they could possibly do yep and love and respect to all of them they were doing the best that they could and they did do the best that they could and yep. I respect them for that yep Um, in ways I, I think it's fantastic and I bra- embrace it like that because it's made me the person I am today yep and it's made me that resilient powerful person that I am today yep um, it's taken a lot of work but yep. you know but in saying that, um, the attachment need at a young age is just—it's non-negotiable. It's—it's it's needed. Mm. If you don't get loved, then it will start a um, direction of um, misbehavior. Yep. To be honest, yeah, yeah. I think that's—that's. That's, I can speak for my, just for myself. Yeah, um, you know, and and. And my experiences. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's
0: funny, though, that it made you resilient. And obviously, that's a, a, a big part of what we're going to talk about in this, in this chat today. But you, you moved away as well for a time, didn't you? You went over to WA for a certain amount of time. Is that yeah,
1: right? yeah, we did. Um, before that, we moved around a lot here in Tasmania. Yep. Um, it was the Nook. Um, you know, different primary schools, Sheffield Primary, um, La Trobe Primary. Uh, I remember Turner's Beach. Uh, a Primary up yep. in Smithton, uh, then um, the move to Western Australia, that was, that was another primary school, and also a, a high school over there as well. So the moving around and the connection and disconnection from friends and people that you become connected to starts, again, another process of being um um very dysfunctional in a way Yep. because the people that are around you or in your environment shape you now if you're around the right people and then you move from the right people and you're with the, around the wrong people which i done regularly yep. um i'd get caught up with the wrong crowd
0: in WA, you mean? Yeah, yep. in
1: WA especially. Yep. Uh, that definitely shaped my environment, and yep. which internally shaped me yep. as well. Um, that's where a lot of lot of the rebelling uh, started for myself. Yep. So how that really starts as well, um, as we said from a young age as a child, uh, first you know one to to. Ages of one to seven is, probably, you know, the most important part in a in a child's development. It's your programming, isn't it? It's your foundation. It certainly is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, even. You know, I love dad and
0: mum. you've dad, got a great relationship with family now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, absolutely. And yep.
1: I've made sure that um, I helped with that reconnection. Uh, not only that, the guidance and direction back to accepting and acknowledging what has happened as a child what has happened as the parents of the child yep what has happened in that environment together as a family um so i think that's so important that we embrace each other and and help each other through these experiences that we go through in our early lives and later on as as adult, adults as well i don't think we should ever stop communicating with each other at mm. all yep uh, we should always be open you know, it's the brokenness that leads to the openness that, that really gives you a lift, an energy, you know, a desire, a passion to get up and live life Yep. and the, and the best one you can. So to answer your question about Western Australia, it, I'm going to be totally honest and truthful. I was around the wrong crowd, um, I was really missing dad. Dad used to work away a lot, and that father son connection, father daughter connection, is such a such a a marvelous needed thing. Um, that's so important. And I think as well, I didn't I didn't have that, and so I would seek out, you know, other people to hang around other crowds to hang around yeah i wouldn't spend time at home with mum and my brothers your emotions go wild you know you you're finding yourself you're um developing in so many different areas so that's where uh things get very tough yep. in teenage years yeah and i was i was breaking into houses i was stealing cars driving around the streets um there's there's lots of experiences that I experienced that, you know, were definitely not the right thing to do.
0: Did you get in trouble with the law at all? Did you get locked up at all? Or?
1: I did. wasn't locked up because I was so young. Yep. But uh, I would have been 13, 13 at that time that I really started to play up. Yep. And I remember we went to the Forum Shopping Center um, one one day in mandra and out of all the things that i was doing wrong i got caught stealing a 99 cent easter egg
0: right on the supermarket (laughs) and you've done way worse than that yeah
1: and i uh yep clearly got caught for that um that actually resulted in doing jobs at the police station yep cleaning cars etc and yep um things like that as i guess service work and so that was in some of my experiences, and yeah that's, that that really started a um a very broken path that I was starting to travel,
0: yeah. And obviously a, a big part of your story, which we will touch on, is um, your, your time um, when you were in the military. Um, but I know that came a little bit later. So obviously you moved back to Tasmania. So what what were those years in, in between like? I was actually,
1: if you like, kicked out of home right. from Western Australia and at the age of 13 to uh, come back to Tasmania to live with my nan and pop. Yep. It was Vale. Yep. And that sort of rocked my world uh, again you've got a disconnection now from your parents yep. again um another school to try and
0: start again Basically, start
1: again yeah start again exactly um reconnect with in saying that re-connecting with people that i actually went to latrobe primary school with yep and some other schools that were actually at La Trobe high yep. so they kind of knew who I was. I kind of knew who some of them were at La Trobe High School. Um, but that was that was a tough transition. And that was a pretty big wake-up call. Um, but again, a little bit older then, you know, into the 14s and 15s, I was, um, I'd have to do a lot of work around the home for... Nanopop, yep. which, you know, looking back, that, that's wonderful. It taught me um, skills and and more resilience and the, the value of hard work. Yep. But in saying that again, I didn't get to experience the uh, 15, 16 year, you know, that teenage period where you're going out with friends. Uh, you're going to well parties um you're connecting with other people around the place you're maybe playing football you're maybe maybe playing sports um all of these types of things but i would have to do so much work around the place with pop and I'd be in the truck relentless hours with pop yeah um so that was it was pretty hard and and even living with nan and pop was was very very hard as well um Pop was very, very good and very, very tough at discipline. Yep. And there were some tough moments and, and tough periods, but, you know, all love and respect to him. And um, it made me the man that I am, and I do thank him and Nan for that. Yep. So, um, but later on in the teenage years, you know, you get your hell plates, etc. and then I sort of started to venture out and sort of, Found myself in the environments that I thought suited me back then, yep. i.e., you know, drinking, smoking, um, running amok, basically, yeah. getting into yep. trouble, and uh, flying around, being a hoon in cars, and you know, all these type of things. Risk taking, risk taking, yep. mate. That nailed it. Yep. Yes, Yep. absolutely.
0: Um, and as I said, so obviously you came to enlist in the in the military as well. Can you tell us about how that actually came about? And how old were you when that happened?
1: Yes, I was 27 when I joined or when I enlisted. Yep. bleeding um, up to the army, it was I left high school and was just searching for purpose, searching for something to ignite my inner passions, my you know, desire to live basically. Well, what 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 jobs can I work in? I mean, you know, what suits me. Uh, so I was on a continuous um, exploring, continuously for a job or um, a purpose that may give me some meaning in life. Yep. And so I went through many jobs. I, I was I used to work at the Abattoirs. Um, farming, contracting, um, into mining in uh, Queensland through the gold mines, the coal mines up there, uh, welding fabrication, um, worked at the Australian paper mill, um, lots of agricultural jobs. And again, just, just nothing was lighting my fire. Nothing yep. was uh exciting enough um yep. then I, I that's right driving b double fuel tankers for united petroleum and and gas yep. so you know that added a bit of danger yeah <laughs> uh, a bit more excitement know, yeah exactly right i yep. mean you know they were all good times good learning and um but again it just it wasn't wasn't igniting my inner flame if it yep. makes sense and then it was 2010 in june or july and um I was actually watching the um, 6th Royal Australian Regiment over in Afghanistan. And at that time, they were going through a really tough, tough time. And, um, you know, love and respect to to all of them men. I was just watching the TV thinking, is there maybe an area, is there somewhere that I could make a difference in some way, shape or form? Um, You don't know if you don't have a go and you don't know if you don't go. So... I thought, well, right, I was sort of drawn to it. So I made a phone call um, then and there to the one three number. Yep. And they hooked me up with a um, date, time, etc. cetera, for a, a U session and um, a IQ test. Yep. Um, so through that process and a lot of paperwork, a lot of paper trials, and then into some uh, fitness assessments, and then, long story short, got uh, got some information, some news back um, that I've got a position, or if I want, I've got a um, option to join the infantry. Yep. Um, so I did, and that process started and began. Yep. And to within. This is this is just how life can change direction so quickly in such a, a massive way. What I mean by that is I'm standing, watching the TV, I make a phone call, and within eight months of making that phone call, I'm standing and serving at the 6th Royal Australian Regiment, s- serving with the same men that were on that TV, on yep. that television. Yep. And that to me is just... Wow, life can really, you know, change direction really quite quick.
0: quick. Yeah. Um, tell us about that eight months. Then, so obviously they don't just let Joe blow just into the into the army. Obviously, there's a um, a, you know, relentless training that you've got to go through and specific criteria and things that you've got to meet. So t- tell us about that the training process.
1: So the training starts with basic training. Yep, at Kapuka uh, in Wagga Wagga, and that is quite confronting and quite um, a shock to the system for many people, including myself. Now, when I speak about you know anything in regards to you know, military or defence force, I mean, I can only speak for myself and my experiences. Yep. So... Uh, just staring, uh, just sharing my story is that um, basic training was a real challenge straight off the bat. It was wow, people in your face, literally. You know, you hear the stories, people in your face, yep. um, yelling, and
0: that's um, so not just in the movies. That's, no, that's it's happened. not just
1: in the movies. That's that's real. That's what happens, and which needs to be too because uh, you know things can get very heated in a lot of different areas, um, you know, in the military, in, 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 in any area. Yeah. So um, it's it starts the process of really having an understanding of what is required in life to survive, whether that's in the military or it's not. Now, what I mean by that is that, for example... If you can't handle someone yelling and abusing you, if you can't do the little tasks that are required, like in basic training, um, making your bed. Making your bed was something that was done to perfection. Yeah. Uh, why? Because if you can't do the little things right in life, how can you do the big things yep. later on in life? I've heard As, that.
0: They're pretty brutal on you making your bed, aren't they? Yeah, like making your and bed
1: looking after your kit, making sure everything's folded, making sure even your your socks are are folded in a certain way with a smiley face. Um, All these little things, which is just complete attention to detail. Polishing the brass, um, then it gets into your physical fitness, your weapon handling drills, uh, words of command, um, technique, you know, technique with... um, for example, PT stuff like two foot landing, um, you know, key words that are used uh, for these training drills as well. I mean, it's all just a, a switching on to a expanded reality um, of what is needed to achieve the greatest results in any area of your life, basically.
0: Yeah. So how long did the actual training go for?
1: Chapuka basic training was three months. Yep. After you had finished um, that process, you would get um, your IETs, so your um, your appointed place of job role, for example, oh, yeah. mine being uh, infantry. So you would be. Uh, we went to Singleton, mm-hmm. and um, that was the School of Infantry. And uh, that was um, another three months. And that was another whole level again.
0: So it went up a level, did it? In every area.
1: Yeah. Like, especially uh, with your weapon handling drills, um, all of your uh, warfare understanding, um, physical fitness. Yeah, it was a whole new level.
0: Yeah. And um, you, you said that you struggled with it certain parts. What what did you find the most challenging? And do you remember like your mindset at the time? Was there ever a time that you were gonna pull the pin? There were times where
1: I felt broken. Yep. There was definitely many times that I, I felt, wow, you know, the PT sessions, um, not being exposed to any physical fitness. In that regard, at all. Yeah. I mean, even in school, I didn't play sports. Uh, the only thing that I ever did after leaving school was, as you know, played um, some country football. Yeah. Um And in saying that, country football, you know, pop shoulders out, throw them back in. You know, as you said, broke broken noses, tape them back up, yeah. keep playing, etc. But I guess it was them times that made me so resilient.
0: Yep. And, so it was more the physical side of things that challenged you about the training then? It was. Yep. It
1: was definitely in the physical side of things. But again, in saying that, uh, the mental side of things was a very big thing for myself as well. Because yep. I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the confidence in, confidence in my abilities. Um, there was quite a few times, for example, through uh, different weapon drills that I would really question myself you know wow I, I don't think i have the intellect and the ability to remember all of these words of command and you know um weapon drills etc but i would just check in with myself breathe and then just persevere and just
0: push through it just yep. with a, a with a never beaten attitude yeah yeah Excellent. Which served you later on in life, mate, yeah. Which is your motto now that you go by. Mm. Um, so, from your, your training, then obviously you were you were deployed. Whereabouts did you go to? Uh,
1: deployments was East Timor. Yep. In two thousand and twelve, we also went to Malaysia. Yep. And also um, South Korea as well. Okay. Cool. And South Korea was working with the U.S. Marines over there on exercise. Yep. Uh, it was. Uh, Fantastic. That was amphibious operations. Yep. Um, Learned so much. That was such a valuable time. And Malaysia was uh, a rotation rifle company, the Butterworth. Yep. And uh, that was jungle warfare training
0: and some amazing experiences over there. Yep. Tell us about the time when you came back to Australia, because I know that that um, created a few challenges within itself for you, didn't it? To be honest, there was an incident
1: um, in Malaysia on Penang Island. Um, the reason I'm saying this is because this it led into um, myself not being able to understand why I was getting so angry and so fired up and um, on edge yep. so much. Um, and that experience in Penang Island was, long story short, uh, a mate of mine was stabbed and slashed through the face and the neck. Um, myself, stabbed, cut on the left leg, yep, and basically kept him safe, kept myself safe, and um, yeah, it was a experience that must have sat pretty deep emotional. Yeah, on returning back to Australia, it took me a long period of time to sort of understand why I would get so angry and so frustrated yep. and um, not being able to control my emotions
0: yep. very much. Because of stuff that was undealt with. Yeah, and... because of
1: stuff that was undealt with and stuff that I hadn't accepted or acknowledged.
0: Yep. Yeah. So you were already struggling sort of mentally before you had your injury then, fair to say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I think... Or from from my childhood right through my teenage years. Yeah. Uh. Now you know into becoming a, a, a man. Uh, I mean, I, I, to be honest, looking back, connecting the dots, I believe I struggled my whole life. Yep. Yeah. And that just built up, and just became um, a a a ticking ticking bomb really. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So in the battalions we have what they call Dog Cup and it's the Duke of Gloucester Cup. Yep. And that is a competition for the most efficient, skilled and squared away section in the australian army yep and the you each a section from each battalion they go and um compete against each other to find out who that the best section is yep and it's a very great achievement if you're an infantry soldier to get that opportunity to represent Mm -hmm. uh, your battalion yep so yeah, so I'd been competed in the dog cup once. Then I had a, another opportunity in two thousand fifteen. Now, that period in between, I was using exercise, extreme exercise, um, to try and control and regulate my emotions. Mm-hmm. And I guess I basically wore my my body out, my joints out mm-hmm. through relentless exercise. And with these other issues that were going on, traumatic, you know, the traumatic events that, that happened in other areas of my life, um, that trauma with inside, um, I started to uh, drink and, and Alcohol, drugs, and so that made the process even more relentless, like even more tough, even more harder. Yep. You say
0: drugs. What sort of drugs were you into? Was it like the real hard stuff, or it was it
1: was only cocaine, ecstasy. Yep. Um, speed, and but you know that's speaking open and honest. You know about that.
0: Uh, Do you remember how you got introduced to that stuff?
1: No. I think, again, just drinking alcohol and then being around um, an environment where people, you know, were using the were using, stuff. you know, cocaine, etc. Well, then, you know, I so it will, you know, I'll have a go at that too. Yep. And, um So that that sort of started a a more of a down downhill spiral. See, because I was trying to mask. Um, my true feelings. I was trying to dumb down the pain that was happening inside me. Yep. Yeah. 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 In 2015, I remember that I just had my jabs that uh, morning before having to go back out to Green Bank um, to where the dog squad was yep. um, to complete more training. And so I went out to Greenbank and met up with the, the dog squad and we started um that day's training and long story short, injured myself and that resulted in being medically evacuated from Greenbank yep. back to um the base Glitterley yep. Barracks in Brisbane.
0: So what did you injure? Was it your knee or something that you injured? So it was my knee,
1: uh, left knee, and from the amount of weight that you carry being in the infantry, plus for the dog squad, we had a bit of extra weight, carrying stretches and, you know, these types of things. Yep. And so went down on the left knee into the bitumen, and then on returning back to the the base going to the hospital and then having x-rays and MRIs uh, long story short they found that both of my shoulders were blown out the back of each shoulder and they were torn 180 degrees and different tears yep. in different parts um, right around the shoulder as well so the whole time that I'd been conducting my training and uh, anything within the army. It was, you know, clearly with with these injuries. Mm. Um, again, I think I just created or correction cultivated a resilient mindset um, and a relentless attitude to just never give up. Yep. Uh, but in saying that the that went into um three shoulder reconstructions on my left side two shoulder reconstructions on my right Uh, my left leg had five surgeries and at some point there was a golden staff infection um thought we're gonna i was gonna lose the left leg yeah
0: right but
1: again that the mindset that i had in that moment even after being told that you could possibly lose my left leg. The first thing I thought of was, if that's the case, what can I do? Yeah. And straight away was Paralympics. Yeah. You know, oh, having another purpose or something else to train for. That yeah. was, that was the, one of the first things that popped into my mind. Yeah. Um, I've always found that if I have something wrong with me, I'll always have something else that I can focus on or something else that I can train. Yeah. Um, so in saying that, the shoulder surgeries, the knee surgeries, uh, then the amount of stress and the amount of trauma, etc., that was in the body, then they found three skin cancers.
0: Yep. And so you had a pretty bad run over that time, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, so they yeah.
1: had the, the skin cancers removed. Them 10 surgeries. there was All up, there was 10 surgeries in a 14-month period. That's where it got really, really tough for me, being at home in pain surrounded by you know four walls it was crazy crazy times yep um and that's what led into you know being in so much pain abusing alcohol and drugs to try and um mask my pain yeah anxiety depression um and then the injuries to my body as well I think the toughest thing was was going from being so fit, so strong, so resilient, doing my job to the best of my ability in every area, um, and to be performing at such a high level, and then bang, yep. just like that. Yep lost or felt like i'd lost everything yeah lost my purpose i lost my drive i'd lost my number one goal in life which was at that point to uh to join the sasr special forces to take my life to the absolute elite level I've, i've just always wanted to do that in life but then bang it's like a brick in the face, like it's all over. Yep, just, just taken like away that. And it's not your doing. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, yep. But in saying that, I drew them ten surgeries in fourteen months. I did not um, stop training once, uh, as you've seen before the the photos that I showed you with. Um, you know, in the hospital, um, had surgery on my left leg. Then, well, that means my upper body's right. Yep. So I can I can train, I can do something. Yep. Um so i had got the um physio uh, one of the physio frames and I actually played around with it and shifted the bolts and moved it around so I could actually use it as a dip stand. Right, yep. And um so I was doing you know my core workouts and some upper body stuff in the hospital. Yeah, uh, I actually had one of the physio guys come in and and uh, sort of question what I was doing. He's like, whoa, what are you doing? Mm. And I said, well, I can't can't train the the lower half. So there's always something else I can train. Always the top half. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then and if 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 you can't train any part of the body, well, the most important thing is the mind. Yeah, that is is the brain. Train the brain or remain the same. Yeah, that's where it's at. Yeah,
0: mm. and um, just reading in the in the book, just with your story too, I know that um, you did hit. Um, a rock bottom during that time as well it said in the book that you were literally lying on the floor and you had to drag yourself in and you went into hospital and they said that your body was basically starting to shut down during that time can you explain that to us? Yeah that's right that was the second
1: most um, toughest wake up call of my life yep Um, at that time I was fully Addicted to my medication from all the surgeries. Yep. Uh, Again, abusing alcohol and drugs. Um, And again, in that process as well, at the time, you know, Bridget, my beautiful wife, uh, she was working two jobs, Um, you know, love and gratitude to her. If she wasn't there in them tough times, I wouldn't be here. Now, I definitely believe that. Um, As well as speaking your truth is so important. And what I mean by that is, for example, if somebody's to come home and ask you if you're all right or is there anything up, is everything okay, and you lie, like, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, no, nothing's up. Everything's okay. I'm all good well that actually builds up builds up and builds up and it really really adds to the fire and becomes even more painful if that makes sense yep because if you don't regulate your emotions and you don't speak your truth it has then you you have to regulate yourself other ways and you end up destroying yourself yep. so it's so important to you know seek help and it's so important to speak your truth and to speak it up and speak it out and to really uh express how you're feeling yep. to people that you that you know that you can connect with yep. to answer your question um yeah i literally hit rock bottom
0: Yep. And so even though you were training, that still wasn't fueling no, your fire. You were no, still it, getting it, further and further. It into wasn't, the hole.
1: you see, because even deeper down in the subconscious, within the body, uh, there's so much trauma still, um, unrecognized, not acknowledged, not accepted, which just is a tornado within the body. Just um, so it got so overwhelming that. I remember just falling to my knees, bawling my eyes out, in pain, and just not wanting to live. Now, and that was because of not expressing my emotions and destroying my body through alcohol, drugs, etc. And I was literally laying on the ground thinking that that's it, I've had enough, I don't want to live anymore, I don't want to be here anymore. But then, like a a brick in the face of, a check of reality that I had two beautiful children back in Tasmania Um, I had a life I was still alive Um, you know I had uh, had the ability to breathe I have opportunities in front of me so I had to make a decision right there and then to get up and crawled down my steps into my ute and drove to the hospital on base and somehow staggered into the hospital and they straight away put me in isolation chamber and ran tests etc and basically long story short said that uh, all my organs and everything were all shutting down and I was basically dying yeah so um. That was that was rock bottom, completely broken, and just had enough of life. Yeah,
0: but you obviously made a decision to turn it around. Did you decide while you were there in the hospital, like what you were going to do moving forward? After a while, I, with all that time
1: to sit there and think, and to look back on life and realize that you have one life, one shot. You have an opportunity of a lifetime in a lifetime of opportunity. Now what are you going to do about that? So right there and then I made the decision to turn my life around. And I did that within 12 months. Yep. So I made a decision to decide, commit, act, succeed and repeat. So I made a decision to cut off from any bad habits, any bad behaviors. I made that decision to cut away from that mm-hmm. and to change, change that area of my life in every way. Um, commitment so important in life to commit to make a commitment that you're going to take action which is the next one take action make it it's it's it was for me it was literally make it or break it i had been to the broken point so now it was time to make it yeah and to make that plan and that was that's exactly what i did yep. yeah
0: Yep. so what was your plan then what did you do in those you know months and and weeks sort of after you got out of hospital,
1: well, it was a realization of okay, how am I now going to regulate these emotions that I'm feeling?
0: Yeah, deal with them. Yeah,
1: how am I going to um, accept them? Who the, who am I going to seek out for help? Who am I going to going to speak with? Um, setting up um, people to go and spend time with that I could um, talk to about my problems, which is so important. I'd recommend to anyone and everyone that if you are going through broken times to reach out, to seek help always. It is the most important thing. And I did that. I had them people um, around me so I could have that help. And I also found out about the Invictus Games. Yep. So that was now my focus of attention. Yep. That's where I now was going to um, focus all my energy. Yep. Um, in and on. Yep. And
0: yeah. So a big key part is having a purpose, having something to be working towards. Yeah, and... it is.
1: It is. It's um, it's. Iding, identify, identifying that next target. Yep. Because if you don't have a target in life, well, you got nothing to hit, do you? Yeah. So it's that's right. yeah. so important to have that next target, and that target for me was the Invictus Games.
0: Yep. How scary is it in this day and age how much we rely on modern technology? It's not till your phone dies or the Wi-Fi or power goes off that you realise you'd be lost without it. Well recently my phone decided in its old age to die and stop charging, and on a weekend no less. So what do you do? Rather than waiting to speak to the network providers or retail outlets, which can be painful within itself, give Brad or Katie a call at Greenies Apple Repairs. That's what I did, and they had my old phone as good as new in hours. Greenies take care of iPhones, iPods, iPads and pretty much everything else, and they won't cost you an arm and a leg. So next time you're stuck back in the dark ages with no technology, contact Greenies Apple Repairs on 0401. Two two nine two two zero, or you can contact them at www.greeniesrepairs.com.au or find them on facebook now just to get onto this busted screen for anyone that doesn't know about the invictus game just give us a quick overview of that firstly and then how you got into it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: uh so the overview of that is in
1: 2014 prince harry um... who you've met i think is that right yeah yeah a couple of photos yeah. yeah getting around that'd be um, one to tell, oh, I, tell the kids later on in life Yeah, not just did i meet him but he were actually cuddling like he had my <laughs> you know, his arm around me i had my arm around him i thought you're him, not like, meant to touch him <laughs> no well yeah well that's exactly it yeah. i mean um he wouldn't care though we took that to the next level because what we did do <laughs> is we had some budgety smugglers pre-organized uh, and my other mate that i was with as we were speaking to prince harry etc he got the budgie smugglers out and put them on his head, and then give him give him the uh, permanent marker. Said, "Here, buddy, sign these." Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and it said, uh, uh, "What was it? The game on down under?" Yeah, on the budgie smugglers. So that he was. He seems
0: like a legend.
1: That was pretty awesome, but um, that experience was extraordinary because he is just a, an amazing human being. He's like, right now would be. The same energy, like yep. sitting with him, having a conversation, you know, connecting, like like one of the boys, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so he sort of founded the games, did he? Is that he yes. did in 2014 yep. for the the reason of uh, rehabilitation, um, back around, you know, team environment, and um, yeah. So he set all that up. Um, it's doing amazing things uh, as we speak right now. They're in uh, the Netherlands um, competing right now. So, there's the Invictus Games coming up in 2023, and um, I've put my paperwork and application in. So, I'd like to to go and compete again in the Invictus Games 2023 in Germany. Yep. And instead of five sports this time, I'd like to... I'll going at anything.
0: Yeah, I'll have a going at it all. though yep. let me. <laughs> so is that the thing? Like you can you can enter into as many sports as you want. You don't have to just if, like you're not just a swimmer or a runner or anything no, like you, that. You
1: could. It, it's kind of up to you what you would maybe like to target. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah. If you target one or two things, I mean, you you focus your energy in that direction, right? Yep. So it's it's going to be a lot easier, or not, or not easier, but it's going to be a lot more um, efficient, Yeah, I guess. In saying that, I'd never done any of them sports
0: in my life. It's interesting because <laughs> I read in that book that there was one, I think it was it the long jump, that you'd never done in your life and you watched a YouTube video 30 minutes before and you actually got out and won it, is yep. that right?
1: It was exactly that. Yep. I have never, I think, what, maybe, no, I wouldn't even have done it back in Trobe High School. Mm. Seriously, because I probably would have been too busy smoking at a tree, yep. to be honest, <laughs> um, but... I literally went over to the warm-up track. I had my phone and I went, right, 12,000 people in the stands. There's 60 million people watching on TV. I'm in my runners. I better find out how to do this. <laughs> so, yep, YouTube. And I watched some, I forget her name, but she was ranked 10th in the world. And I watched her go through the long jump technique, broken down in slow-mo. And I, I was literally sitting in the sandpit watching it. Um, and saying that, I I, I had a, a quick run through. Because, again, you could get your run up right. Mm. Um, I had no idea of that. Yep. And in sa- all these other people that were doing the long jump, they had spiked boots on. I just had me runners on. Yep. So it was all completely different to me. So anyway, yep, all good. I've studied it. So I jumped on the buggy. Across we go. And there was 18 people from around the world in my first in the first group and my first jump uh went out in my runners and bang Mm. i qualified first out of the 18 yeah unbelievable it was and so (laughs) that put me automatically straight into the finals yep but this is where we changed it up which i won't say we should not because i'll touch on a lesson that i learned from it in a minute it was, so it was working clearly I finished first in my group but now the coach that was there from the AIS said oh man we need to get you spike boots um, you know you'll end up getting 6 metres or something over 6 metres I was like oh ok so now I'm already there you know well I'm not going to be able to study YouTube or (laughs) anything like that. So I put these spike boots on. I had a go with the spike boots and not did I fail once, not did I fail twice, but I failed three times in a row in front of 12,000 people and 60, uh, 60 million people watching on TV. Now that is failing to the best of your ability. Now I use that as fuel. Why? Because that is a that's a pretty amazing opportunity to learn from a failure on such a big level on such a big stage. And what I mean by that was is exactly keeping the mindset and your energy in a field of love, joy, compassion, and excitement mm-hmm. even though you've failed far out live and love life. doesn't matter if we succeed or don't succeed, there's a learning opportunity out of it and within it. Mm-hmm. Just embrace it. Ah, it wasn't meant to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so your, your events that you went in, do you just nominate which ones you want to go in or is there actually a selection process to make the Australian team in a yep. certain area? Or?
1: You can you can nominate for which, which events you would like to participate in. Yep. Which I think, you can go
0: in as many as you like. Yep, yep,
1: that's right. But then it comes to... Turning up, whether it's at the Australian Institute of Sport or at uh, another place that we go to in Sydney, uh, the Canada Ac- Academy of Sport or something like that, you go there and you go through a selection process for them different sports. Yep. Um, coming back to 2018, so again, I've, I've never sort of competed or done any of these sports, right? So I've heard about the Invictus Games. That was my new direction to take after all these surgeries had happened and, you know, got my, my life back on track. I literally had turned my life around within a 12 month period from being the absolute brokenness (laughs) at the very bottom to now climbing, a you know, a mountain that, um, is giving me so many learning opportunities and, um, making me such a stronger person. So the, 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 concept with the Invictus
0: games is just so amazing yep. yeah so what's the criteria to be able to compete do you have to have an injury through your service or something yep. like
1: that or yeah so it's anybody within the military that has illness injuries or um, any other type of uh things that you know maybe may be wrong with with within the body even whether that's physical or mental okay yeah
0: yep. yeah yeah um, and what other um, events did you go in how many did you go in in the end uh, all up five
1: yep yeah so it was a the, the, uh, long jump shot put discus swimming and powerlifting yep. yeah yeah cool. uh, yeah well that that in itself was uh, quite a commitment to try and get selected because to get selected for the team, it is a pretty in-depth, full-on process. Uh, this one in 2018 was at the Australian Institute of Sport. Now, leading up to that, I had been asked to go down and to Melbourne to swim because I wanted to... I oh, thought, so, well, the only thing that I've sort of been doing a little bit is swimming. Yep. Went down to Melbourne. Uh, I think Linley Frame, one of the Olympic mm-hmm. ladies, she was there sort of teaching us some skills and yep. stuff like that. Got there. The people that were swimming they, they, you know they, they were swim coaches They, some of them swim for a living okay you know all these things but again okay believing that i can do this and i'm just going to give it 120 percent effort which i did i was only finishing you know a couple of a few seconds behind them which was okay considering i don't even i went there not even knowing if i can swim properly mm. if that makes sense you yep. know so that was um just an achievement in itself to put yourself out there And just have a go at it. Mm. Because you don't know if you don't have a go. And you don't know if you don't go. Mm. So uh, that's what I did. And I didn't get selected. But that now opened up another door. It opened up another opportunity to go in. Okay, I can't swim or, you know, not very efficient. But powerlifting, I can now go and try out for that, which I did. Uh, That was a bit of an ordeal because my mother... I spent most of that morning, leading up, uh, early morning, leading up to that actual tryouts for powerlifting, on the phone to my mother because we'd just lost my stepfather um, to cancer. Okay. Um, So, but you can lose someone, right, in life, but not you. Just you haven't lost them. That's what I really believe. You haven't lost them at all, because you can visit them, whether that's energy, whether that's memories, etc. In them times of loss you can derive extreme resilience and power. What do I mean by that? Is that not only can you do something for yourself, but you can actually do something to honor somebody else. Yeah. And so that it
0: served as a motivating uh, factor. It
1: did. Them. It really did. Uh, what am I going to do? Am I going to get down and upset and sad? No, we shouldn't do that when somebody moves on or is not around anymore. We should celebrate it, embrace it, and really live for them. That's what I believe, mm-hmm. and that's what I did. So, long story short, went and power lifted, and um, I finished first in lightweight division. Yep. So, bang, that selected me for the Australian team. Yep. So that's you just never know.
0: Yeah, you, know, you just got to put yourself out there. You do. Yeah. Out of them comfort zones, you see. Get out <laughs> of them dead zones. <laughs> Absolutely. So with the with the selection for the long jump, then, so how did that? How did you actually get selected to compete in the long jump then, considering that you'd never done it before? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> just, i put my hand up oh so they just yeah, yeah. that's what i meant like yep. yeah that's all well and good
1: you could think at the start okay i'd like to have a go at this yep but so so when you put your pay work in right you've kind of got first preference second preference third oh, okay. preference say yep. right i, I want to say for example swim power lift uh and shot put right cool but once you're selected for the team there is an opportunity if you're willing oh, and you want to take the risk. Gotcha. Can I do this? Yeah, you can go, well, I'll have a go at that and I'll have a go at this. But So it was like, yeah, I'll do that.
0: Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so everyone, everyone there is just basically having a go. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a great yeah. philosophy. It is.
1: And you know what's really cool? Is that in that environment, you're, you're so connected and you're helping each other. You're getting around each other. You don't know how to do this. Why? Because you're not experienced and you've never done it before. Okay, cool. Mm. This person does. Come in. You connect. You help. You help. It's just it's so awesome. That's what we need to do here where we live daily, walking down the street even. We can do that. Mm. And not only
0: can we, I think we should. We should. This episode of the pod would not be possible without the support of Sam and the team at Infinite Joinery and Design. If you're like me and normally need these guys to come in after you stuff up your latest home renovation, here's an idea. Get them in first and save the hassle. Specialising in new home joinery fitouts, renovations, kitchens, laundries, wardrobes, vanities and solid timber work and project management, Infinite have 3D design software and Sam alone has over 20 years' experience in joinery and project management. He knows his stuff. Located at 6 Bay Drive, Koiber, where you can find them on Facebook and Instagram or contact Sam at 0429... Two nine one double zero eight, or you can email sam at com. so don't be like me, get the experts in first and save yourself some money and a fierce stressing down from the better half so you spoke about when you hit rock bottom up in Queensland being the second hardest time in your life are you able to take us into the hardest time in your life? so, what are we so it was
1: last year let me get this right 2020 was that yeah so years ago 2020 yeah 2020 um so on the 21st of December I was at Mount Roland about to jump from the top yep that's 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 deep mate yep That's, that's so deep and um that was um very very painful uh awareness i guess like growing like wow because it just till you've been to that breaking point to that absolute point of okay there's no return oh my god it's like a rebirth if you like it's like a a new awareness of life in every area possible and that's that's what that was, and and that was twenty twenty. You said, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I mean, I around some of that two years ago. Yeah it's, yeah, it's crazy stuff, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that was really really tough. But in saying that, to leading leading up to that, um, I was living in the Trove, and um, this this was the most darkest, scariest time of my life. And now I wanna speak about this with full truth and from my heart because people need to hear this and and we need to be aware of like what people actually go through. And I was at home living in a house, uh, just out of the Trobe. i had been through so many, uh, I guess, tipping point moments where things had really got on top of me. Like leading up to, I was working with kids with behaviors, right? I was helping so many other people with fitness and uh, self-development and, um, and depression and you know anxiety, all these things that I was actually going through. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. then because that's you can really connect, right? Mm-hmm. Because you've actually you're, you're living Connected. it. You know what it is. You know what it feels like. Yep. So, but again, in saying that, where it got where it gets really technical is them things. Problems, etc., that you're helping other people with. Energy is really contagious in many ways, right? So that can actually, them things can become your programming or your thinking or your energy, and that's exactly what it added to, on or within me. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that was, everything that I had been through in life and hadn't dealt with, was now coming to the surface. Yep. Plus, the other information that was going in. From everybody that I was helping, was adding to that to that fire to that well bomb that was just about to explode. Mm. Uh, and then it got to a point where it did, um, and I was drinking again. I, I found myself having a drink again, and I thought, "Whoa!" And I would nearly catch myself, but then I just go deeper. <laughs> wow. And then again, alcohol, drugs. And there was a moment where uh, a period of, I guess, a couple of weeks where um, I really went off, not, not the rails, but I was just isolated myself and was just drinking and just trying to deal with all these things that were now going around in my head, these emotions that would really take control of me. Um, and, you know, that's, that was so scary, and I had my beautiful little girl, and you know my my beautiful partner, ex partner Bridget. Um, you know, love, gratitude to her, and so we had a you know our beautiful little daughter, and all these things like wonderful things happening in life, right? Amazing, an opportunity in Speedway, like a wingless you know racing car. All these other things were happening, but I wasn't there. I'm disconnected from myself because I haven't dealt with my problems yep. and my my inner you know, thoughts and all that type of thing.
0: So for, for a lot of years, then, you weren't dealing with, with your problems. No, and, and I so hadn't. From...
1: Even through all that process, I always would check in and go, hang on a minute, there is someone somewhere else worse off than you and or they don't have an opportunity to live life. But that just goes to show then that's how deep your emotions and your programming is. Because you could have all these wonderful things, amazing things happening in your life and you've got these cars and houses and job opportunities and, you know, business ventures and whatever else. But are you really happy? No. Why? Because you haven't dealt or you haven't loved your inner self. Mm. You're not connected to yourself on a soul level, Mm -hmm. um, which is the most important thing, that with a mindset and a belief, right? So, um, yeah, it became very dark. Very scary. For three months. For three months, I was completely isolated in a, a four-bedroom house on nine and a half acres in the middle of nowhere, nearly, by myself. A fully grown man sleeping with the light on overnight. Yep. Shit scared. Like, it was the most scariest darkest time of my life. It really was. That three months was the most scariest time of my life. Um, One thing I want to add right there and now is this, I have always taken time to go and speak to a psychologist and all these things, right, to seek help. Always seek help on any level if you can. And I've always done that. Now, I take ownership and responsibility for my life, right? you can go through anything in life, it can be so deep, it can be so dark, and it can be so overwhelming that you're 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 at that point, you're going to take your life, that's it, it's all over, finished? No, you can get through it. And I'm a prime example of that. And I'm not tooting the horn or whatever else you want to say, but I'm just expressing this with all my heart, because not am I just speaking this, no, actions speak louder than words, and I've fucking gone through it, I've felt it, and I've, Fucking dealt it on
0: every level. But the thing is, got through it. So going back to that time you are saying you were standing on Mount Roland. what made you come down? It was like, it might
1: sound a bit strange, but it was like, because I hadn't really checked in and actually connected fully with all these things that were happening and going on within me, it was like it was nearly a prompt or a testing of, okay, you reckon you've you've got a tough, hard life and you're going to commit suicide. Would you really? Uh, I was like I was nearly just sort of drive, pulled towards that opportunity, if that makes sense, towards that mountain. I was literally, I'm not going to lie, I was drawn to that mountain. And I drove to that mountain mm-hmm. and literally was going to go to the top and jump off. I had just had a point where I realized, again, that I have an opportunity of a lifetime in a lifetime of opportunity, right? So, I need to, I don't need to, but I will, right, literally full circle my whole entire life. Go from that point of absolute brokenness on the darkest, deepest, horrible level. And I will literally transform everything with a never-beaten attitude by accepting and acknowledging it and never giving up. Not only just for me, because I've done that, right? Then, which means I can now express my true, honest self to every person that I come in contact with. And I can offer my best true energy to every person that I get to speak with or be around.
0: Yeah. At what point do you reckon you went from that shy kid that I remember seeing out at Wesley Vale to, to now like was that up Mount Rowland was that when that happened and you, you you became like what you are now how you're living your life or
1: well I believe every single thing up to this point has made me and developed me and cultivated me into the person that I am right now that yep. you see so it's been a slow evolution yeah already. yeah so, ad- yep. absolutely yep. I believe to answer your question we are born to evolve to use and to construct our life from everything that we go through step by step in the moment where we are yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah like cuz so, cuz I'll 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 think back or even feel back or even you know just acknowledge back right that I wouldn't change one thing right now sitting here with you I would not go and change anything about all my other timelines Mm. or the things that I've gone through. Why? Because I wouldn't be loving life like I am right now.
0: Yeah. It's got you to wear your hat. Oh, mate, it has. I mean,
1: and the the energy and the passion and the love and the excitement that you can just get from that, like, it's hard to explain. That's why actions speak louder than words. Yeah. That's why we're going to do the wonderful, amazing things in the very near future is because this is what you can build Mm. even through you know the darkest horriblest crazy moments that you think you know you want to take your life that's what makes something like this Mm. reach out in times of darkness is one of the keys to the direction towards light it really is I've always if I've felt something creep up or I feel like I'm in a dark broken place I'll always seek out that person um, you know to connect with even if it's just to just to get some energy from or just to be around just for a period of time right Um, but if there's so many different platforms now really there's no excuse realistically if you are going through broken hard times that you can't get through it There's, there's really no excuses you only have to Google something. Well, you can get good help. Absolutely, you can um, phone call. Um, there's, there's so many like lines that you, you know, you can, you can ring up for help. There's, um, there's help everywhere, to be mm. honest. Everywhere. Yeah. This is, this is where it gets. This is where I, I think it's be really cool, and this is where we need to go in a direction. We should. I would. I think this would be amazing to get to a point where we can walk down the street anywhere and walk along, say hello, and stop and say, what have you learned today? Mm. Or what can you teach me? Yep. I think, man, I think that would be so cool, mm. wouldn't it? Yep. Instead of, I don't know, judging mm. and all of these things. Comparisons. Yeah, far out. Mm. No. We're all unique, amazing human beings here to, to... Kick ass in our own way. Stop frigging judging people. Um, own your own shit. Take responsibility fully for your life. Acknowledge it for one. Accept it and know that you become, when you're broken, you become open. Then
0: you really start living life. That's where it's at. That's awesome, mate yeah well, we'll leave people with that mate that's fantastic like i say we could have chatted for probably another couple of hours but it's been Easy. unbelievable mate speaking to you i knew how good it would be uh, it's been even better than i thought it was going to be so i oh, think i'd you. recommend to anyone that um that doesn't follow jared you know make sure that you friend him on facebook you're on instagram as well i'm right? on instagram as uh jared Kemp, but yeah you know, broken never beaten yeah i mean you'll find that mantra somewhere yeah. you know
1: at, at the end of the day You know, there's these things, this stuff about followers and getting friends and whatever else. That's not for me. I tell you what is for me. Getting up every day because I know that if I share something, I've got to create that. Mm. When I create that, I create all my own stuff, post it, speak it, share it. I know for a fact that there could be someone out there somewhere that is just looking for that one word or that one quote. Or just that little bit of inspiration in some way that can literally change their life. Mm. I have seen fully how a smile can literally just one smile. Someone's about to commit suicide, right? You can smile and literally redirect their mindset, mm. redirect the direction they were going. Yep, man, that is fucking so powerful. Yeah, we can connect fully, all of us. It doesn't have to be some guru or you know, like you know, all of these bloody famous professional people like love gratitude to all of them mm. but we all have the gifts mm. we are all that yep we are all that and more we just need to believe it yeah it starts with believing man absolutely
0: <laughs> let's get out there and help each other yeah absolutely yeah.
1: yeah and and to be honest I'll throw it out there now I mean don't hesitate if you all it takes is sending a message mm. all it takes is reaching out to to someone that you feel that you can connect with. Yep. I just yeah. want to express love. I, fuck, I love everyone, mate, to be honest. Yep. I well, can...
0: Hopefully, <laughs> you'll you find after this, mate, you'll have a few new connections anyway. Yeah. Can, there'll probably be a few people that might hit you up, and I hope that they do, because yeah. you know, that's what the podcast is all about. If we can put you know a medium out there that's going to help other people, then Maybe. that's yep. what we're here for. So
1: Bloody amazing. I just want to take the time right now to acknowledge you fully, Jeez. and really, I appreciate... Talk hard. I appreciate what you're doing, Brendan. This is kick-ass, and
0: well done. Thanks, mate. Thanks to Jared for coming in. I know I say it regularly, but I'm always amazed and inspired by the courage of these people to come in and, and tell their stories. And I'm sure you've got plenty of positive messages from Jared. If we can all move forward with that broken, never-beaten attitude, it's amazing what a difference you can make in your life. As always, make sure you like, follow, subscribe, tell your mates about the pod, and if you know someone with a great story to inspire others, make sure you reach out on our socials. For anyone out there having their own struggles who wants to have a chat to someone, you can call Lifeline on one three one 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 four, Men's Line Australia on one three hundred seven eight nine nine seven eight, or you can call Beyond Blue on one three hundred two two four six three six.